Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA, where Darlene was sitting on her grandfather's lap as he read her a bedtime story. From time to time, she would take her eyes off the book and reach up and touch his wrinkled cheek. She was alternately stroking her own cheek and then his again. Finally, she spoke up. Grandpa, did God make you? Yes, darling, he answered. God made me a long time ago. Oh, Darlene paused. Grandpa, did God make me too? Yes, indeed, Poppet, he said. God made you a little while ago. Feeling their respective faces again, Darlene observed, God's getting better at it, is he? <laughs> this is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout-out to spirit-led believers everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our risen Lord and Savior, thanking Him for His sacrifice for us on Calvary, and we look forward to His soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that Your Holy Spirit lead and guide us as we speak to Your people today. We ask that You anoint their minds and their hearts to receive Your revelation and I ask that you make us one in your spirit as Jesus prayed. Amen. Today, my co-host with the spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is... Jesus with skin on. Hi, Christy. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Around town's an amazing place. All these stories that you tell. A lot think, happens here. A lot isn't? happens in around town. You know? It's an exciting place, yes. Basically the center <laughs> of the universe. It is. Everything funny happens here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as we keep speaking to those who listen to us, what we're doing is, by revelation, we're drilling down to the core truth of what God's trying to do in these latter days. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people don't understand the big picture of what God's going for. And so what he wants to accomplish gets a little bit obscured because we don't really have his perspective. The truth is that in the Garden of Eden, what happened is when Adam sinned because Eve gave him the fruit, the Holy Spirit lifted off of him. God did not want to dwell in a person who had sinned. Mm. So the Holy Spirit lifted off of him. And it looked like tongues of fire. Then a mighty rushing wind came, but it was going away from him because God was leaving. And then all these years later, when Peter got up and said, this is that, what happened then is God returned Mm -hmm. to mankind in a mighty rushing wind. It came to man and that tongue of fire, which was a symbol of the Holy Spirit, came and dwelled on their heads, signifying that God had returned to dwell in his people. And that was the inception of the New Testament church. Before that, there were certain people that were filled with the Spirit, but it was very, very limited. But now it was open to everybody, including the Gentiles. And why is this? Why did God do this? Because the only way that we can be truly perfected is that the Holy Spirit dwell in us and live his life through us. And as his holiness becomes our holiness we can be perfected. Otherwise, it's impossible. People that have a natural mind and walking in their flesh are never going to get it right. The whole law of the Old Testament tells us that. But as we let the same spirit that 
dwelt in Jesus Christ that raised him from the dead dwell in us, we can be perfected just as he was perfected. So Jesus, who is the firstborn of many brethren, the patterned son, he was a demonstration, an example of how God wants to dwell in each one of us. And his perfection through being filled with all the fullness of the Godhead bodily is an example for us to follow. So what's been happening in the whole of the New Testament church is the Holy Spirit filled us and now the Holy Spirit wants to perfect us. And the whole battle that's been going on between man and the devil is that while the Holy Spirit is in us trying to perfect us, the devil is tempting us trying to destroy us. And right now, at the end of the Gentile age, God is bringing forth a bride who is truly perfected by his Spirit who has yielded everything that she has to him and become like him. We become back into his image and his likeness. Just like Adam lost in the garden, we regain Mm -hmm. in the latter days. And this is what God is going for. And Jesus with skin on means, as Jesus was, we are to become. Because when we see him face to face, we will be like him. And God is wanting to dwell in us so fully like he did Jesus that we are a walking representation of God with skin on. That's a really good explanation. And I think one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have and and even Christians have is that when Jesus was on earth, because we recognize that he was the manifestation of God, we assume that he lived a life that is unattainable. We look at the things that he did and say, well, that's because he was God. I could never multiply loaves and fishes. I could never walk on water. I could never forgive people the way he did. I could never heal people the way he did. We assume it's because he was God, but we don't understand that he was living as a man in a fleshly body, and he was accessing God in the same way that we can access God. He was listening to his father's voice. He was doing what his father said. He was believing him. He was trusting him. He was allowing his father's spirit to fill him and speaking and doing exactly what the father was doing. The difference between Jesus and humanity is that he was sinless and he didn't make any mistakes in the way that he was following God. But his example is just that. It's an example. This is how we can live. He even said that when he goes away and sends the Spirit, we'll be able to do greater things than he did. Exactly. Some of us think it's sacrilegious to think I could do greater miracles than Jesus did. But Jesus himself said that, not because of ourselves, but because he goes away and sends the Spirit to live in us. So when the Spirit lives in us, it takes our weak fleshly nature and transforms it into something that can be powerful and can be righteous and can be godly and can be a tool of the manifestation of God once again, but I think even on a greater level. The reason I think it's on a greater level is because when Jesus was on earth, he was one man. And though he was the full manifestation of God and he was fully God and fully man, he was in one place at a time. Now that he has sent his spirit, which Jesus was excited about, he was excited about going away and sending his spirit. Now his spirit indwells all believers. So you can have a manifestation of Jesus everywhere in the world where there's a believer that's walking in his spirit. That's what's so incredible. None of us does it perfectly like Jesus did, but we can each do it in measure. Paul talks about God giving us a measure of faith, giving us a metron of ministry. We each have a measure of Christ. So if my measure is joined with your measure and joined with whoever else God brings to us to be a unit, we manifest Jesus 
in a unique way. And the more that we're connected with the people that we're supposed to be with, the more we manifest Jesus. And that's the neat thing about it is that we're supposed to be a community rather than me just being a solo representation of Jesus. I have a measure of him. You have a measure of him. Other people have a measure of him. When we all come together, we demonstrate him in a fuller way. The things of God are not difficult to understand if you have the same perspective God is looking at things from. It's like, why did Jesus go away? He just resurrected. Well, he went away because we needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And while he was here on earth, God was going nowhere but him. Hmm. And so if he went away and went to God, then he would be free to allow God's Spirit to indwell us, just as God's Spirit had indwelled him. Now, from God's perspective, that makes perfect sense. When you understand that in the Garden of Eden, Adam lost the Holy Spirit in the same way that it was given on the day of Pentecost, things make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, the big picture helps us understand the fine detail of what God's going for. And when we understand that Jesus Christ was born of a woman, Mary, he was tempted in all points like we are. He walked in a body that got tired, that got thirsty, that needed rest, that he had to choose to do God's will. It wasn't an automatic thing for him. He was praying, Lord, let this cup of crucifixion pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done, not mine. He had to choose to be our Savior, just like we have to choose so much of the things that God asks us to do. When you understand the bigger picture, it becomes easier to understand what God is truly going for. Now, what God is going for in you is he wants you to cease from your own works. You know, your attempt at being righteous is failing miserably. Why? Because righteousness really doesn't dwell in you naturally. We have a fallen nature. We have inherited a propensity to sin all the way from Adam and Eve. But what God wants to do by filling us with His Holy Spirit, He wants to replace our nature, our propensity to sin, with His nature and His propensity to never sin. Mm -hmm. And the more that we yield to His nature and let Him just rule our lives talk through our mouths, do actions through our body, move us to different places. The more we become a manifestation or a revealing of God on the earth, the more we become perfected. And it's not something we do. It's a person that we yield to. Exactly. I like that. We don't do it. We yield to it. That's really a good way to explain it. And why is this important? A lot of people feel like the purpose of salvation is fire insurance. I just want to make sure I don't go to hell. And so I'll do the bare minimum that I need to do to get saved. And whatever God requires of me so that I don't have to go to hell, that's what I'll do. Yeah, God wants to save you from hell. That's important. But God also wants to make you righteous. He wants to change your nature. He wants to grow you into the person you're supposed to be. Why is that important? Well, it's important for a couple of reasons. One, because that is the way you were designed to operate. We were designed, just like you explained Adam, to have God living in us and through us. God wanted that unity, that connection, that bond. He wanted to live on this earth and walk on this earth through the people that he created. That was the purpose of creating humans. And so when that left because of sin, the whole story of the Bible is God's move toward reconnecting with his people so he can live in them again and live through them again. Exactly. And we are created to have 
the presence of God living in us and through us. That is how we're made. That is the way we function best. That is what aligns our body, soul, and spirit with how we're supposed to be. So consequently, it brings us more joy. It brings us more peace. It brings us, I believe, more physical health. I believe it brings us more mental health. It puts us on the right path for our life. So we're making choices that are the ones that are destined for us so we can become the people that we're destined to be. Instead of choosing our own career, our own places that we live, our own choices of the people we fellowship with, it's led by God. And consequently, we step into the fullness of all that we are. So that benefits us. But the other thing that is important about this is that this is how God wants to show himself to the earth. We sometimes feel like when God moves on the earth, he's just going to come from some magical thing in the clouds, or we'll see a sign in the heavens, or we'll hear a voice from heaven saying, okay, world, this is what you need to do. And yeah, God can do that if he needs to. But what he is doing right now is he is moving on this earth through his body, through his people. That's why his spirit came to fill us. When he sent his spirit to the earth, he just didn't send it in random places all over the earth so that when people stepped into a particular location, they felt his spirit. When he sent his spirit to the earth, he filled his people, his believers. That's not just for our benefit, although we benefit from it greatly. It's also because that's the way that he chose to manifest himself to the earth. So we're supposed to be a physical manifestation of Jesus. We're supposed to be a representation of God. We're supposed to be Jesus 2.0 on this earth right now. We're supposed to walk in a way that when people see us, they see more of Jesus than they see us. And they can be drawn to God because of what we represent and what we manifest in them. Exactly. When Jesus comes back, he takes a perfected bride. When we meet him in the air, face to face, we're like him. Mm -hmm. And this is the point. You know, I was thinking this week how doing our own thing really isn't doing God's thing. God has something he's going for. A lot of people say, bless me, bless me, bless me. Well, that is true that God wants to bless you, but he wants to bless you while you are doing his will. Yeah. And frankly, his will is more important than blessing you. Now, because he's a good father, he's a loving and compassionate father. He does bless you along the way of doing his will. You know, Jesus wasn't going around sad all the time in the lead up to the cross. He was feeling God move through him in such Mm. a spectacular way. He was full of joy. Right. And what God is going for in your life is not to make you comfortable. It's not to give you riches. It's not to give you fame. It's to accomplish something that he wants to do that is the best for everybody. It's not like we can just say, well, we only want the blessings and we don't want the downside to Mm -hmm. it. And besides, when you were bought with the price of Christ's blood, you became not your own. You're actually a bondservant of the Most High. Now, he happens to be a great slave master. Right. You know? He happens to be a great person to be a bondservant too, because he will take care of you spectacularly. And you will find that the real needs that you have will be met in abundance. But it's always as you do his will. Jesus is blessed and made sit on the right hand of God because he suffered the cross. And Jesus says to each one of us, take up your cross and follow me. Now that cross for each one of us is different. Now, if you're called to go to Borneo and minister to some tribe that doesn't know Christ, you just accept that you're going to lie on the hard ground and eat some bad food. I mean, it just goes with the territory. But if you're living in America and God doesn't want you to complete your degree, but he wants you to go over to this city and do something else, That's a cost of doing business in God, too. Mm, Right. And every time that we do our will, we are not available to do his will. 
And that's the crux of most people wondering why they're not blessed. Because they say, well, I'm doing all these things that I think are right for God and he's not blessing me. But you might be ignoring the one thing or the two things or the three things he really wants you to do that mm -hmm. really are necessarily due for his plan to be significantly advanced. And so while you're busy doing what you think is right, real work of God is languishing. Exactly. You can't assume that we know what is right. We assume, well, God wants me to go to church. God wants me to teach Sunday school. God wants me to read my Bible for an hour a day. God wants me to give my tithe to my church. Those are all good things. But what if God wants you to leave the church you're in? And instead of reading your Bible for an hour, he wants you to sit in his presence and hear his voice and then communicate that to somebody else. What if he wants you to give your tithe instead of to that church to another location? It's not just a matter of doing what we think is good. It's a matter of doing what God says he wants us to do, which is the best way. And the idea of taking up our cross, for a lot of years in Christianity, people thought the Christian life was about suffering. Well, I've got to beat my back to keep myself from sinning. I've got to just sacrifice everything good, and my life is going to be miserable. You know, years ago, people thought joy and happiness and peace only came when you died. Life on earth was supposed yeah. to be miserable. Then when you die, it's finally good. But how was Jesus able to endure the cross? He was able to endure the cross for the joy set before him. He didn't look at the cross and live his life going, yep. That's my destiny, to just die on the cross and suffer this horrible death and bear the sins of the world and focus on that. And when he got there, said, yep, this is what I'm all about. I'm just suffering for the world. His focus was on what is beyond that. Exactly. And I think that's the attitude we also need to take when God asks us to sacrifice something to represent him better, to not think about, wow, I'm missing out. You know, I had this really good job and God asked me to quit it so that I can go into the inner city and work with kids. And so now I don't have this great job. And so we walk around the inner city and we live a life that is more akin to poverty than what we were before. We see somebody drive by in their Mercedes and we just long for that and go, wow, I used to have a Mercedes, but God told me to give it up because he needed to come and minister to these kids. And we just sort of languish in, in the, I'm so mad, but I'm doing this for God. I'm suffering for God. No, the idea is the joy set before you. If God is really asking you to give up your good job and your Mercedes to go to the inner city and minister to kids, that's where your joy is going to be. Yeah, there is sacrifice, and there is a cost of sacrifice, and there is pain in sacrifice, and there might be times in the midst of that joy when you see your Mercedes drive by and you get this pang of, oh, I used to have that. But when we keep our focus on what God wants us to have it on, when we do what God asks us to do, that's where we're going to find our joy and our peace. Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He came and became a man. But during that time, because he was doing God's will, he was filled with joy. Was that not a sacrifice for him to not count his equality with God? Yeah, that was a major sacrifice. But he lived a life of joy, and he did it for the joy set before him. So if we understand that God's purpose is not to be a killjoy and to take away all the things in life that we want, that God's purpose, if he's asking us to sacrifice anything, is because he wants us to align with how we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing, and that's where there's the joy set before us that we're going to attain. If you are a Christian, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that he rose from the dead on the third day for our justification and ascended into heaven and now sits on the right hand of God, you are Jesus with skin on. Mm. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. And your focus in your life is to do whatever the Holy Spirit wants you to do at any given moment of any day. Now you wonder, well, what is that? Well, it could be as simple as going next door and say hello to your neighbor if you feel led of the Spirit to do that. 
It could be as dramatic as quitting your job and moving halfway across the country to go minister to someone, if that's what the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is leading you to do. You lay down your life so Christ can live his life through you. And this is how the manifestation of the sons of God occurs. We stop living and doing what we want, and we start living and doing what he wants. And this has the effect of allowing Christ to shine through us Mm -hmm. to a world that really needs to know him. Yes. And the most intense way that the world can see God is through us. That's how the world was changed when Jesus came in the first century. They saw God manifest in the flesh, and they followed him. There was 5,000 people that needed to be fed, and God just decided to feed them with what they had. But they were following him because they wanted God, and they saw God in this man called Christ Jesus. And he sat out there on the mount, and people listened to him. And they wanted to hear what God said through a man. Yes. Just like this generation wants to hear what God has to say to them through you. And as we all come together and we all let Jesus manifest through us in the way and to the degree that we are given, all the world will see Christ and they will hear Christ and they will feel Christ and they will want God through us. And this is Christ with skin on. That's exactly what you are. You say, well, I can't be that because I'm this, that, and the other. You are that. That's why you need to stop being your own pilot. That's why you need to give the controls over to God. And when you start saying, I'm going to do what you want me to do today, God, I'm going to be a manifestation of you, and I'm going to set aside my life so you can live your life, then things start happening. And what you find out that happens is when God moves through you, you get excited. Now it's not work. It's something you want to do. Mm-hmm. What, what is the next thing that God's going to do? Who is the next person that God's going to bless? And you see supernatural things happen through you. You know, I remember I was walking in Kenya and we just stopped. We didn't even know where we were at in Bombasa. We just stopped saying, you know, we're just going to let God do what he wants to right now. So we prayed and we said, God, what do you want me to do? He says, well, I want you to walk that way. So that's exactly what we did. We walked that way. And then he says, I want you to take this turn. And we took that turn. And progressively, as we did those twists and turns, we got into denser and denser part of town where we had no idea where we were at. And then I want you to go down this alleyway. So we went down that alleyway. And the alleyway went down these steps. And we went down the steps. And we were just wondering, oh, what's going on here? You know, we have... <laughs> You know, we're going to hit a brick wall here pretty quick. (laughs) And finally, we came to a place we would never have found. It was a little pure thing that boats would come to ferry people across to the other side of the water. Totally hidden from anything. So we sat down there, and there was just one little girl sitting down there. And Lillian started talking to the girl. And it turns out that that girl was running away from home. And she was about to get on the boat and go someplace. She didn't know where she was going. She was just running away from home. And Lillian was able to talk to her and counsel her and minister to her the heart of God at the time that she needed Mm -hmm. it. Right then and there. And the lady ended up going back home. Now, tell me that's not exciting. Yeah. You know, that that is like, ooh, you know, Mm -hmm. Book of Acts type stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
it's all because we just said, Lord, what do you want to do? And that is what he wanted mm -hmm. to do. And the rest of the day we're on cloud nine because God had moved and something had happened and she had been ministered to and we felt really, really good. And it didn't matter that we didn't do something we wanted to do. Yeah. It was joyful to do something yeah, God wanted to do. Yeah, feeling God flow through you like that because you guys felt that God was using you. You were specifically exactly. chosen. And imagine how that little girl felt sitting. sitting yeah. Here I am by myself. Nobody sees, nobody cares. And God brings these people through the dense part of the town and the forest to come to her and speak to her. And that made her feel like, wow, God sees me and God knows. God could have just spoken to her heart and her spirit. And maybe he did. But how powerful was it that he used people with skin on exactly. to come to her? Because we can always not really believe what we hear in our spirits and our heads. Sometimes we think, oh, that was just me. Oh, I don't know who that was. I get this sense that God is saying this, but I don't really know. But when someone comes up right next to you and says, God sent me, or God wanted me to tell you this, or they just tell you something from your heart that just really connects with exactly. you, you can't deny that. You can't deny that God is speaking because the person is there and they're tangible. And that's exactly what God wants. We live as spirits in tangible bodies in a tangible world. God always wants to come to where we are at. He always came to where we were at. When Jesus was on earth and he was speaking to farmers, he used analogies of farming and parables of farming. When he was speaking right. to fishermen, he used analogies of fishermen. He always wants to meet us where we are. And the primary way that he does that is understanding that we are people in a human body that we need to be ministered to by people in a human body. That's what God's chosen to do. It's the most effective do. way. It really is. Not only that, but we are not meant as human beings to be alone. A lot of Christianity throughout the centuries has taught going away by yourself to be with God. And yeah, you can interact with God and his spirit in that way. That's very true. But the bigger picture is how God wants us to connect with other people. Human beings are meant to be with other human beings. One of the first things that God said about Adam, even when Adam was still sinless, was it's not good for him to be alone. Exactly. It's not because he was full of sin that he needed people. He was righteous and perfect. And before he sinned, God said he needed somebody else. He needed somebody to help him. He needed companionship. We need human beings. I know I've mentioned this before, but look at human beings who are the greatest creation that God has. We're the most intelligent. We're the ones that are filled with the Spirit of God. You would think that we would be the most self-sufficient creature when we're born. You know, a baby horse can live on its own within a few days. A baby human has to take years depending on other humans to be able to survive because God is trying to show us a picture that we need people. From the time that we're born, if we don't have people, we die. And God put that in us so that we understand that instinct, I've got to have people, because that's how he wants us to live. We're supposed to join with other people. That's why his spirit fills each of us in measure, because if God filled me with all the fullness of God, like he did Jesus, I could just do everything on my own and I wouldn't need anyone. But if he fills me with a measure and fills you with a measure, then we can work together as a group, as a tribe, and minister to people the way God leads us. Exactly. There is a Christ tribe that is forming. Yes, that's good. I it like is that. a group of people that are spirit-led and that hear their Father's voice. And together they manifest Jesus in a greater way than apart. And what you are called to do is to begin to allow Jesus to live through you. And what we think is, well, I'm too sinful. I've got too many flaws. I can't live holy. But the truth of the matter is this. When you yield to the Holy Spirit and you do his will when he wants you to do it, for that moment, you are perfected. Mm -hmm. For that moment, 
you are holy. Because why? You are completely yielded to God's Spirit. And you are manifesting His nature to whomever He wants you to manifest it. And for that time, you are perfected. And all you got to do is do that more often. <laughs> and the more that you do it, the more perfected you become for longer periods of time. Until when you walk by the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lusts of the lower nature. You become consumed by holiness, and therefore you become holy. It's not something you have to work at. This is the lie of the church. More learning is not going to help you. Going to Bible college is not going to help you unless you are specifically called to do that. Because that's the only caveat of that. What is going to help you is as you are sitting by yourself, you ask God what he wants to do, and then you do it. And for that time that you do his will, you become perfected. You become Jesus with skin on. This is so important. In the book of Amos, it talks about a prophecy of the end times. And it says that God is going to send a famine on the earth in the end times. And it won't be a famine of bread and water. It will be a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. And it's not that the word of the Lord is not available it's not that the word of the Lord is not being poured out on the earth, either through his written word or through his spirit. It's just that people get to a point where they can't hear him or they won't exactly. hear him. And that's a danger that we are going to face as we get increasingly into the end times. God is going to send a famine of hearing the Lord. That means that if you're not in tune with him, you're not really going to be able to hear him. That his word is going to sound so strange compared to what's going on in the world that we dismiss it. Or we don't want to embrace it because it's too scary. It takes us against the grain, and we don't want to go against the grain. We want to hear from other people what we're supposed to do. We don't want to hear from God. And it's not a matter of being taught. It doesn't say that people are not taught, that the word of God is not given. It's just people don't hear the word of the Lord. If we want to be his representatives in this end time, if we want to be the people that he can use, we've got to learn to hear him. We've got to be those that escape that famine of hearing the word of the Lord and really listen and really hear him and then do what he asks us to do. Understanding that as the world moves further and further away from God, then the things of God and what he says are going to be less and less and less consistent with the world. And we've got to have the boldness to listen and do what he says to do when he says to do it. The world is all about fear. We fear what may come, mm -hmm. fear what has come. It's fear-based, but God's not like that. God is love-based. And when you're in the will of God, you become a manifestation of God's love. And other people that are in the will of God become a manifestation of God's love to you. The truth is you can only wear one set of clothes at a time. You can only eat one meal at a time. You can only sleep in one bed at a time. And so when we operate in love and everybody is loving each other, we all have enough. The reason that communism doesn't work is because there's no love. It's all about selfishness. It's all about... I want my part. And that's why it doesn't work. And God isn't into communism. God's into manifesting his spirit through a lot of different people. And so when one person has two cloaks and one doesn't have one, they just give it. Mm -hmm. Knowing that when they need another one, they someone will, will give one. one to them. Right. It's not something that is mandated. It's not something that is collated, systematized, categorized. It's simply a leading of God's spirit. The body of Christ is incredibly wealthy. We have a lot of stuff and we have a lot of money 
but everybody's holding on to their stuff so closely and so tightly that God can't use their stuff to do his will. You know, I remember I needed to go back over to Kenya to do some stuff, and the one pastor just sat and gave me a dissertation of spending $40,000 to recover his parking lot. And I thought to myself, this parking lot is really okay. And there are souls over there that really need to be saved. Yeah. But he was just completely oblivious to what was going on. And he was just so thankful that he's going to spend all that money on the parking lot. And I thought to myself, what eternal thing is happening here, you know? Yeah. Jesus didn't have to walk around with a big bag of stuff, a big trunk that he had to drag around with him. Because he knew that as he did the will of God, he'd have some place to rest that evening. He'd have enough food to eat that evening. If he needed another cloak, somebody would just give it to him. And so he just focused on what was really eternally important, is doing God's will at any given moment. And he was doing God's will as the Pharisees came and asked him, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? He turned from somebody he was ministering to to answer their question. He wasn't waiting for them to come and ask Mm -hmm. him some hard question. He was doing the will of God, and he was distracted. And that became the scripture. Pharisees just got slam dunk <laughs> by the manifestation of God. And then he turned back and kept doing what he was yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. And this is where we're called to. This is the way forward for us. We need to be about our father's business. Mm-hmm. We need to be doing what God wants to do and put aside what we think we should do. Exactly. And that's where the joy comes. It's like you said, you walking around on cloud nine that day because you gave up your day to follow where the spirit was leading and, and just let him guide you. You know, the example I gave before of the person asked to give up their job and their Mercedes so they can go minister to the kids in the inner city. A lot of times we have these preconceived notions about what makes us happy in life. God knows better than we do. Exactly. And it, we may think that this nice job in this Mercedes is going to bring me the most happiness, but God knows us. And if he has created us to work with those kids in the inner city, that's our calling. That's our nature. That's our alignment. When we do that, we're going to realize that's where we find our fullness of joy. And where it makes no sense to your natural mind that living like that compared to where you lived before would make you happier, would make you more fulfilled when you make that sacrifice. When we follow God, it is a joyful experience and it is an alignment. And we may not recognize that this is really what I want. This is really what makes me happy. This is what I am created to do and be. We can't really know that until we really yield to the Spirit of God because He knows things about us that we don't know about ourselves. So things that we are sure we would never be happy doing, we please God, don't call me to do that if we are really meant to do that, created to do that. Doing what we're created to do sets everything in our lives in alignment, and that's where we find our joy and our peace. It doesn't come from our own understanding of what makes us happy. God really knows where our joy and contentment and satisfaction are found. Yeah, what I'm talking about is the greatest adventure that you will ever experience in your entire life. Being led by God's Spirit is phenomenal. It's not just great, and it is way above great. When you start just to yield to God's spirit and you do what he says to do, amazing things happen. Things that you never thought could happen. And with you that are listening to this podcast, if God is asking you to do things that doesn't seem possible, that doesn't seem can happen, God doesn't ask you to do something without making a way. There's a way for you to do what God has called you to do. If God has called you to do it, the only thing you have to make sure is that you're hearing God. Exactly. And nothing is wasted. Don't think that if you do something in obedience to God and you don't see an immediate result that you've missed it. 
I just found out this past weekend that a young man that I had been ministering to for decades, really, had given his life to the Lord and just is, is really into Jesus now and talking to people about him That's and cool. is going to church. And I didn't know that. And I ministered to him off and on for a long time and never saw any result, never got any feedback, sent him letters, talked to him person a couple times, sent him a Christian CD and didn't have any idea. But it was all out of the obedience of the prompting that the Spirit gave me to say certain things and do certain things. And then when God said, stop, stop. Okay, well, I did what I was supposed to do, scattered seed, and we'll exactly. you know, find out. But somehow God used probably what other people did in addition, and just by his spirit drew this young man to himself, and now he's saved. So, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know that God had moved, had taken what I had done in obedience and grown it and done something in somebody else's life. Our job is just to hear what God's saying and do it and let God take care of the result. We're not responsible to necessarily make sure that what we do bears fruit. Our job is just to listen to God, do what he asks us to do, and let him take care of the rest. You're listening to this podcast today probably alone. So there's nobody else here except you and us, okay? So you don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be self-conscious about what people think. All you have to do is listen and decide whether this be true. God looks at you as a special creation. You were created by God himself. He formed you in your mother's womb. He brought you to the birth, and you had a successful birth, and now you're alive. you got to ask yourself, okay, well, why? You know, the devil wants to make you think that you're insignificant. You're evolved from some primordial goo. Where God says, no, I made you on purpose. I made you special. I made you for something that I want to be glorious. And so when we're talking about Jesus with skin on, we're saying that this means you. God is talking to you right now. And he's saying, my son, my daughter, the way forward for you is to just listen to my voice and just do by faith the things that I ask you to do. And I'm going to take care of the rest. You don't have to be holy. You don't have to be pure. You don't have to be righteous on yourself. I will do that for you if you will simply yield to my voice and yield to my spirit and let me live through you. This is the way forward. Cease from your own labors. Cease from doing what you think is right. And let me be right through you. This is how you will become holy. This is how you will become like me. Because as I fill you, as I manifest myself through you, you'll understand how I am. You'll understand my nature. You'll understand my love for you through the love I showed to others through you. And you will understand that I have compassion and mercy and grace on people that you wouldn't think I could ever love. And now you will understand why I can love you. Mm -hmm. Because I see you not as you are, but as you will become. I know that you can become me because I will be me inside you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and how profound. What an offering. What an invitation that God gives us to accept that because that's what we're created to be. And he loves it when he can use us as a manifestation of himself. He loves it when he can use our hands to touch somebody. He loves it when he can use our eyes to really show someone that we're listening and that we care. He loves it when he can use our mouths to speak his words and our hearts to feel the love for others that he feels. That's exactly what he wants to do, how he wants to move on this earth. And he's inviting you to be Jesus with skin on, to manifest him to whoever he leads you to manifest him to. You know, Jesus was standing at the porch and looking at the people give their tithes. 
and there was great people that had a lot of money that it was kind of like a upside down tuba you know and they'd Hmm. throw their money in it it kind of clank as it went down into the box you know so if you had a lot of money you made a lot of oh, noise I see <laughs> and Jesus was looking at that and he said see all these people here he says yeah and see that little lady there she gave two mites and he says she has given more than everybody else that has come here today because she gave all she had to live on God notices it's not whether you're rich it's not whether you can do a lot is whether you can do his will. One word placed at the right time in the right way to the right person can change a life. Your two mites can speak just like that woman's two might has spoken for the last 2,000 years to somebody that God notices and somebody who gives all. Your giving all might be just giving a sandwich to somebody or just saying a kind word to somebody and doing it by faith and being willing to be misunderstood. God tells you to go across the street to this person who's standing there that looks like you don't want to really know him. <laughs> so God loves you, and he wanted me to tell you that today. And that, to that person, may be the beginning of his journey to salvation. It's only two mice to you, mm -hmm. but God notices. And it provides that person a touch of God. A real touch of God. I remember after I got spirit-filled, I was sitting at McDonald's eating French fries. And I was wondering, well, speaking in tongues is so easy. Is it real? Yeah. Am I just making up? It just flows out of my mouth. And I was looking across the dining area, and all of a sudden this voice says, go tell him about Jesus. And the guy's back was towards me. I didn't know him. And I thought, whoa, I never heard that before. And I was petrified. I had never heard God's voice that clear before. So I was sitting there eating my fries very slowly. <laughs> and I kid you not, it's like two hands on my shoulders shoved me in that direction. Then I was really freaked out. <laughs> yeah. And I sat there for about another four or five minutes. And the guy got up, went through the other door and around to his car. I got to know if this is real. So I got up and I got him as he was getting in his car and he said, excuse me, sir, God says he wants me to talk to you about Jesus. And he looked at me funny and said, you know, I was just thinking about giving my heart to the Lord. Oh, wow. I said, whoa, <laughs> you know, tingles. Yeah. You know? I mean, talk about confirmation to him, talk mm -hmm. about confirmation to, to me. You. Exactly, yeah. And that's exciting, you know, yeah. that's cool. That's just like, ooh, you know, touch of God all the way around. And this is what we want in our Christian life. So we want an actual touch of God. Yes. We want to feel the Holy Spirit yes. and us moving. Christianity as it has become so intellectualized is missing the actual touch of God. Mm -hmm. And that's what people really want. That's what you they know, want. You want yeah. to sit down with Jesus. You want to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. You want to know he's listening to you. When you ask a question, you want him to speak back to you. And where God is dwelling today, he's not dwelling in some burning bush. He's not dwelling in the pillar of fire and smoke. Jesus left to prepare a place for us. So where mm -hmm. is he now? He's dwelling in the body of Christ. And if you want to see God, you need to find a person that he leads you to in the body of Christ and look in their eyes and let God look back at you. And it takes that. You know, the guy that was sitting there in McDonald's thinking about giving his life to Christ, he could have 
taking it or leaving it at that point. But because God prompted you and you obeyed to step up and say, God wants me to tell you this. He used a human being in flesh. There was a Jesus with skin on that was able to confirm. And so he was like, yeah, this is true. Used to be in the Old Testament when God would manifest, it would be a a powerful way. It would be the pillar of fire that led them at night and the cloud that led them during the day and donkeys speaking and voices coming from heaven. And that was how we knew that God was real. Now that the Spirit is living in His people, it's His people that manifest those tangible ways. People can hear God through the Spirit, but it takes a great faith to hear God in the Spirit. But what really confirms that what we're hearing in our spirit is true is when He moves through other people. And that's exactly what He wants to do. And it's joyful and satisfying, not only for those who receive from God through a person, but from those who are the chosen vessels for God to flow through to talk to other people. Exactly. And so you can put this into practice right now. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, all you do is you ask Jesus, okay, I got it. What do you want me to do right now? Mm -hmm. And he will speak to you. You are a radio for God. You were created to receive his voice. It's just that your dials have been kind of weird. (laughs) You need to just tune into them. Yeah, exactly. And listen to his voice and do what he says to do. You may be riding down the road and God say, well, turn around. And you'll say, well, why? And he won't say anything else. Mm -hmm. And you'll have to decide whether you want to turn around or not. But if you turn around and you drive for a while, he'll tell you, I want you to get off on this road. Okay, you just do it. It may be three hours down the road that he will bring you to somebody that needs to be ministered to. Or he'll show you something about yourself or or, or minister to you in some way. I once drove three hours and was specifically led to some place, went in the door and said, okay, God led me here. Why am I here? She says, well, I was just praying that God show me if I did right, because the other week I was in church service and God told me to get up out of church service. And he led me to a different church and had me sit down in their pew. And I was just struggling. Can God do something like that? <laughs> and I just said, yes. <laughs> and I just drove three hours because he wanted to say yes. Your calling is to be Jesus with skin on. Okay. And it's not that difficult. All it is is listening to his voice and doing what he was. Mm-hmm. If you make a mistake, it's no big deal. Okay. Everybody doesn't do everything perfectly right, when exactly. they first start out. But you will very soon learn what is and is not God's voice. Mm-hmm. It takes a while. I had God talk to me for a couple of years before I start listening to him. I didn't have anybody around me that had that happening to them. Oh, wow. Except yeah. the really spiritual people on the top of the heap at church, you know, yeah. or the intercessors or something. You know, they'd hint about it. They wouldn't talk about it. So it took me a long time to even start listening. But one day I just decided, you know, this is happening a lot. So <laughs> I'm going to see what happens. And I made the decision that, okay, if I'm going to be embarrassed, I'm just going to be embarrassed. Yeah, exactly. And that was my little cross I had to bear at that time. For you too, just make the decision that you're willing to be a fool for Christ. You really want to know his voice. And so you want to know if this is real. And so if you're embarrassed and somebody looks at you funny, well, get over it. Yeah. It's okay. Amen? It's just going to keep getting better and better as we listen and obey. Exactly. And you again, have made it to the end of the podcast, and we're so proud of you. You know, we're going to give you another gold star. I'm going to have to get like a platinum star for the ones that have done 10 or more. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But this, to me, makes me realize that you really want more of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus wants to really give more of himself to you. Yeah, he really does. 
if you'll just take a little bit of what we say and apply it to your life and, and do the things that we are talking about, you'll find a radical difference in your life. Mm-hmm. It's not about teaching. It's about experiencing God yourself. Exactly, exactly. You know, if you can hear God's voice yourself, then you don't need to be taught by us. All you need to do is follow God's voice because he knows exactly what you need to hear when you need to hear it. And he will tell you what to do. We speak in generalities. Mm -hmm. You know, he can tell you specifically what Mm -hmm. you need to do at any given moment. And we do that intentionally. We're not telling you what to do. We're telling you to connect with the Holy Spirit and hear him and do what he tells you to do. Exactly. And if that happens, then everybody's happy. That's right. (laughs) God's happy. Body Christ is happy. Mm -hmm. Those we minister to are happy. Mm -hmm. And life gets a lot better. I am surprised that the more I yield to God and the more I do what he wants to do when he wants to do it with whomever he wants to do it with, the more blessed I become. Yeah. It's really scary because you want to control everything. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure you have enough. Yeah. But if you make sure that God has enough, he really takes care of the rest. He will always take care of you abundantly. Yeah. Yeah. So we're so happy that you've been with us. We want to bless you in Jesus' name. We ask that God be with you with his angels this week and that he lead and guide you by his Holy Spirit, that you receive wisdom from above, that you live by revelation, and that you have joy most of all in your life. And as you connect with God, I pray that he fill you with a peace that passes all understanding Mm, in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been God's Love Club and Michael and Christy, and we thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.